0: this is our second podcast in the FGEN series of podcasts. Today Violet and I will be interviewing Steph from Steph's Place. So welcome Steph. Thank you so much. Could you just explain to us what Steph's Place is all about and how that was formed and then we'll just talk about you know how it's related to FGEN.
1: Yeah sure. So I founded Steph's Place some 18 months ago principally because I could see the UK becoming more transphobic, that trans people were having a hard time of it in regards to the media, uh, with regards to politicians, how the gender identity was under threat. Uh, What particularly annoyed me was how gender criticals were constantly coming up with this term gender identity, ideology, which none of us know what it means. (laughs) Um, But it's obviously the politicization of a group of people. And that really, really annoyed me. We're not an idea. We're not an ideology. We're biology. We're people uh, within a diverse world. And to single us out through the media in particular, give us bad press. I mean, the only time, for example, the the times give good press is for trans people that's perhaps in other countries (laughs) they don't want to know about america and the the uk we just get bad press and that really really annoyed me and i was in stealth up to that point i'm I'm lucky that i pass i've got a reasonably firm voice and i just felt like coming out to be honest with you so i came out out of stealth Launched Death Place, had to learn how to, because I'm getting on a bit, I've I've never done social media before. So I got a mentor that helped me with social media, Aaron Bastini from Navara. Very kindly taught me how to use Twitter, bless him. And launched the website, went on Twitter, gained followers, started doing investigative articles, blogs, Uh, and then last year I brought in four co-eds, four co-editors. Just through Twitter you could find such amazing talented people and I think this is one of the advantages of being trans. We are a pretty bright bunch at the end of the day. There's some really incredible people within the trans community and I could see that like from what Claire Prasharo does, she's incredible mind so she became co-ed at Steph's place and then there was uh, Paul who just knows everything about sport and transport yeah and then we've got Julie Miller and Julie Besser is out in the community she works with various organizations and including training with in the health professionals so she goes into universities and things like that. And then a few months after, Nicola joined us as well. And, and she did like all the blog posts with Helen Weberly's tribunal. Bless her, she was working through to one o'clock in the morning.
0: Yeah, I remember reading okay. those. It was really oh, kind of on point, very accurate.
1: Absolutely. You did an amazing job. Yeah, and she's got a history as well, that sort of thing. Um, So it's not for me to say what Nicola's done. She's, you know, this is just a phenomenal team that we've got. And we're knocking out investigative articles all the time. We're doing Freedom of Information requests. Some information we publish ourselves. Other information we give to journalists. We uh, send dossiers to MPs. We do a fair old bit one way or another I'm, I'm, I'm delighted and our, and our figures just throughout this world we we get amazing a number of people come to the website we've increased another 20% in the last two months.
0: Can't yeah so just just remind us can what, what is the website addra- address?
1: It's Place UK so it's www.deathplace.uk and we're just out there to help trans people really and
0: yeah, and you do you do, you do have a, a whole kind of catalogue of articles that have been written by various people in your website.
1: Yep, and we've even got one or two from gender criticals.
0: Oh really? I haven't seen those.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I wouldn't recommend them. No, <laughs> no I'm unfair. <laughs> we we try to be fair to gender criticals and fairness. It's a hard one to call because ultimately it upsets trans people, and I understand that. But if if we if I write an article. Have kind of got have a bit of an obligation to talk to, to gender criticals. And then of course we've got the issue as well of kids uh, on Twitter in particular setting up accounts and playing one side off against the other. And I think there's also another element that we don't take into account and that's actually interference from other countries. You know the gender wars it causes disturbance within feminism uh, and, and I'm a rad femme and I'm, I've been a huge feminist all my life, what the gender war does, is it, it takes the emphasis out of us holding men to account. We are in a patriarchal society, and I think ultimately all the time feminists are scrapping with each other. Men get away free. I should be out writing political articles about boris johnson i should be out there writing articles about the pay gap for women i should be out there writing articles in regards to universal uh, cuts in regards to allowances and things like that in care the the actual social care budget keeps on falling and falling And, and these are sorts of things that need to be called out which you know i'm i'm labour, I'm to the left, I used to be to the right. Uh, If you go back historically, I was actually a member of the Conservative Party. I mean, I left at the time when they brought out Sunday trading. Uh, So I left the Tories at that point, and then kind of drifted into the middle, and probably about six, seven years ago, I started to think how rotten society was and how we needed to go more to the left and to look after people and not money. I think we should be starting to put people first. So I'm now a staunch Labour supporter, a member of the Labour Party, I'm a member of Labour Trans Equality, I'm a member of the Lady, uh, Labour Women's Network, I'm a member of the Fawcett Society, uh,
2: and I will do anything possible to help people. I was really interested what you were talking a little while ago about identifying as radical feminists and I was wondering if you wanted to talk a little bit about how inside radical feminism these conversations can be had because, I think as you were alluding to in my experience as well, whenever I try to have conversations about, especially trans inclusive feminism, but also for example, sex worker inclusive feminism or just intersectional feminism in a more broad topic, that it is almost always infighting that sort of dominates. And I completely agree. Like if we take sex work, for example, with radical feminists, I've had quite a lot of discussions and it gets quite personal between liberal feminists and radical feminists on this topic. And the elephant in the room to me is that the men that are actually benefiting primarily from the whole system aren't even in the conversation at all. And we're sort of hurting each other, getting very upset on Twitter, for example, and the people that are actually um, responsible for the system aren't, um, aren't in this conversation at all. And i can't kind of feeling that pain
1: yeah, I think you're right. I think sex work's a real problem. Um, one side of me sees that a woman most definitely should not be exploited. You know, that's 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 kind of core. Uh, and then on the other side of me, I think, yeah, but prostitution's been going on for God knows many thousands of years, and you're not mm-hmm. going to stop it. Yeah, uh, that's that's the the bottom. You know, that's a bottom line as well. Uh, and I'm quite radical on, on lots of things. I would legalise drugs tomorrow mm. if you can't fight this. And yeah. I would also legalise prostitution <clears throat> because <clears throat> as much as it's against a woman's body equally, as long as it's their body... Um, and they're not being controlled by anyone else whatsoever so there's no pimps then it's a little bit like abortion it's kind of their right to choose do i like it no i don't like it you know if any of my daughters turn around and say they might be you know work in the sex sex industry i would be pretty gutted so i can understand with other people as well and yeah, you're right, you know, rad femmes, uh, I mean, my own city, you know, there's been an application for, like, a lap dance and club, and do I approve of it? No, I don't. And, you know, there's, within gender crits, there's obviously a, a lot of rad femme. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: I don't know how many, you know, I'm a turf with an I, I'm a trans-inclusionary radical femme, As yeah. a, a turf with an E. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I share lots of their beliefs. You know, I looked at all the different elements of, of feminism and I just ad- identify as a Rad femme.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: It actually comes from my childhood or, or, or not so much from my childhood, but from when I was a kind of a teenager, mm-hmm. because my dad used to turn around to me and said, uh, the problem is that politics and religion cause war.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I very quickly worked out before I was probably 20 that it was men's uh, vision of politics and religion, because who wrote the Bible? Men. Who edited the Bible? You can guarantee men. Um, who rules the world at the moment? Men. Who starts yeah. wars? Men. Who fight wars? Men. Who picks up the pieces? Women. And women are oppressed, women don't deserve this, women should have exactly the same rights as men. Mm. Uh, and whichever country you look at, if you look at in America, I think the the Republicans, for example, and they've sort of, they've, all the Republican, I forget the name of it, like the chair group, just one below the, the top guy, uh, but the it's kind of 85% men. When we look at the cabinet in the UK, there's literally a handful of women. Even Margaret Thatcher,
2: I think only ever, well, it took her years to bring a woman into a cabinet. This is well, all wrong. I think that sort of thing's an interesting example as well, of like the patriarchal system being the issue rather than necessarily any individuals. So for example, Margaret Thatcher is a woman. She's an individual woman and... I would say in my opinion that she positioned herself in such a way to cater to the patriarchy and the status quo and she became useful to them within the capacity of herself as an individual but she was not um, having any sort of solidarity to change patriarchy on a fundamental basis and this is the way that a system like patriarchy works, a system of power works, is that it rewards those people that pay into the maintenance of the current power structure. So, you know, what I'm trying to say is women are are rewarded for pulling up patriarchy, you know, maintaining it. That's where the rewards inside that system comes from. And I think that's why the power distribution kind of maintains quite well because you know you centralize the power and then you reward that power to people that keep the same people in control i mean of course capitalism runs on the same basis which is the powerful stay powerful and basically what we mean and what that means is all power structures are going to benefit those that are in power because they can set the rules i think it's a good example to remind ourselves that any individual woman that is empowered does not mean that women as a group uh, are actually in a greater, greater position than than they were otherwise before that woman was empowered herself. I think you're right that it's just stacked against
1: women, and, and that was one of the great things I think when we changed the name of that gen, that you know, because it was obviously originally gender gene, wasn't it? I remember what it was. and gender inclusion network? That's right. Yeah, the inclusion network, which we kind of lost the inclusion, which was wonderful. Um, and we brought in this feminist, and the gender critics didn't like it, but I'm sorry, we are feminists, um, and I'm proud feminist, mm-hmm. and way before I, I was, you know, and I went into transition, I was a feminist. I've been yeah. a feminist for years uh, because I could just see how wrong it was for, for women and girls in this country,
2: uh, so when we changed, great. I consider myself a feminist as an accurate way to describe my beliefs and I just happen to be a trans woman that's who I am like that's it, it's it's not a active sort of point of view that I look at the world through it's an experience but it's not an ideology as I so often um, accused but being a feminist is an ideology and it's the ideology that I, as a trans woman, and my sisters that are cis, and every of all of the women and girls in my life are equal and deserve the same rights and opportunities as the men and boys in my life, you know, and that's a very simple thing. And I need that, you know, I feel in my own life constant pressures to sort of being in different environments, especially male dominated ones, and being sort of objectified. And I have the additional experience of of having transphobia with that. So um, it's a kind of interesting mix for me, but the point is that feminist ideals are critical to being able to you know help me live my life like if feminist movements hadn't changed things so that they are as they are now and women had the vote for example and all these things would i have any imagination that i would be able to have the acceptance as a trans woman in the first place that i have today of course not these are foundational principles that have led the way to the rights that i have today and it's no way to extricate those things there's no way and the basis of on which we Respect the gender um, of a transgender person, whether it's trans man, trans woman, or a non-binary person. Those bases are the same as we respect any tra- um, any cisgender person, as far as their expression and how they live their lives. And so, you know, you have Tufts constantly talking about this thing of like, you can be a feminine man, you can be a masculine woman. Well, absolutely, and actually the community, like the trans community and the feminist inclusive community are the people that actually allow people to do that. Like the reasons why, in my view, people don't more um, express more diverse gender um, outside of the trans community is because of the patriarchal judgment of how people are pigeonholed into how they have to be inside society. So we all need feminism to get past that. Yeah, it's
1: yeah i think you've 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 nailed that violet i think that's that's spot on and it's really interesting to know you know you've got like wp uk and they have a crack about non-binary sorry these are people and if if they want to be non-binary they can damn well be non-binary nothing wrong um people are people and whether they're trans macro or whatever, it really doesn't make a difference how they live their lives. The important thing is we don't go around hurting each other. Uh, And then we start seeing the gender critical camp uh, attacking trans people. They turn around and say, we're attacking women's rights. We're not attacking women's rights at all. I I totally disagree with, with that. You know we we have been going into single sex spaces on a
2: case by case basis mm-hmm. for decades mm-hmm. simple as that how else um, do they think the trans women and trans men were living i mean they would have noticed it far more if we were transitions and then we went to the boys loose or whatever and vice versa if trans men were going into the women's loose like there's there's no way it's 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 preposterous you know
1: it's it is you know and and the just coming out as though we're after women's rights. We're not after women's rights at all. Um, yes, there's an overlap of rights. They've been there for decades, mm. and now we're starting to see, like we saw the other week in the House of Lords, you know, oh, well, we, that trans women mustn't go in, into the female estate. Well, they, well, okay, some of them might not have to, and the system that they've got at this moment in
0: time actually works. Prior to FGen starting, Steph's Place and your kind of co-hosts, um, co-writers, we we're, were doing a very similar kind of project, weren't you? You were trying to set up something very similar to what is now.
1: Yeah, we, we were going FGEN. to come up with. Yeah, we were. We were going to come up with a second group. Um, the moment that FGen launched, we, we dropped that because it was very clear what the what the potential of FGen is going to be, which is massive. Yeah. I can see FGen being equal to Stonewall in years to come in regards to its place in society. I hope the gender war will be finished by then. I would love it if it were so we could get on with proper feminism. Um, certainly, there's obviously, if you look back historically, you can say there was a gender war going on in the States in the 70s with Janice Raymond... And, you know, the book that she was coming out with, the statements, you can go back to music festival, you can go back to Stonewall to, to some extent, the Stonewall riots, because, you know, there were trans women in that as well, shouting for gay power. So that there has obviously been a gender war there for for many years, but the, the gender war in the UK really only kicked off when... Theresa May said to be kinder to trans people. That's really the deciding moment because at that point the gender critical movement decided that they were going to conflate the GRA with the EA. And
2: this is something that I've been trying to do along with... Um, just so everyone knows, you're talking about the Gender Recognition Acts and the Equality Act. Yes, exactly. The Gender Re- Recognition Act basically only does one
1: thing. It allows us to change our birth certificate. No more than that. Um, yes, we can go and get married and, you know, die in our right names, etc. But it's no more than that. It, it doesn't give us access to single sex spaces. Um, and in fairness, we all do need single sex spaces or safe spaces sometimes, you know, uh, LGBT people, often wanted to have safe spaces and safe bars and pubs and things like that. Um, We can't argue that there isn't a need sometimes for single sex spaces. What you can argue is you can't have blanket exclusion. What they've done is very successfully conflated the GRA with the EA. And there's nothing wrong with self-identification. countries all across the world that keeps on bringing self-ID out as regards to legal gender recognition via self-ID. You know, more recently, New Zealand, Germany's bringing it in. Um, Ireland's obviously had it for years. It's been available in Argentina for years.
2: And it's worth mentioning for any listeners that aren't aware, in the United Kingdom, currently passports and driver's licences are changed. You change your gender on both of those via guess what, self-ID, and 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 this has been happening. I actually don't know exactly when, when how that It's not quite quite right, Violet. You've got to send in a letter from the doctor as well, just
1: to back it,
2: but that's it, you know. It's amazing. I don't even think I needed to do that. I needed to show them my deed poll. Um, maybe I needed to show them that I had medication. Yeah, I had a diagnosis. Maybe that, yeah, maybe you're right, but um, it, it did not require anything like what I think the thing with as well one of the things that's I think confusing for people when self-id comes up is people think well surely we must be able to have some sort of qualification of someone changing gender I you know this hypothetical person might say I support trans people I think that people should be able to you know live their truth be who they truly are and it's like that's lovely but they think that there should be some sort of qualification the issue as a person myself that's gone through the The processes, like, and I will be applying for my GRC soon, um, like, actually, probably within a month, I'll I'll start sending off the documentation. But, you know, the the process so far, there is no real nobody along the way has been able to do anything other than listen to me. And so actually, fundamentally, this is on a basis of self ID, regardless, What the difference is, is that I went and I self-identified to medical professionals and then medical professionals went, okay. And then they asked me, do you understand what you're doing? Do you have realistic goals? Are you otherwise mentally stable? So they were making sure I was healthy, but to determine if I was a woman or not was on my identification. That was the only verification that those medical professionals had. And to remind ourselves, these people are professionals because they know how to look after people's mental health. They're not professionals in what it means to be a man or a woman. I would argue that nobody is realistically an expert in that. So it would be quite foolish to suggest that anyone could be able to accurately verify this. Um, and you know, so. And everything else along the process is literally just to verify how you're living your life. And on a feminist basis, I think it's quite valid to be skeptical of whether, you know, the verification of me living as a woman. Um, Because after all, what does that mean? You know, uh, yes, I changed my name. Yes, I, um, you know, changed my pronouns and my title and everything like this, you know, sure, Um, and of course I started taking hormones and I changed my clothes and I did all these things, but like that's how I chose to live my life. That's not what makes me a woman, is it? And so this safety that, that, that seems to mysteriously arrive from some mysterious verification process, actually, I think, in my opinion, when you look into that, it doesn't really make sense anyway all it's realistically doing is causing a bureaucratic mm. um, system to just catalogue and make trans people's lives difficult and make us scrutinised by other people. For I, I would argue, perhaps incorrectly, but I would argue for almost very very little benefits. I think for healthcare, you know, we should be given help, and I don't I don't have any issue with that. But I don't think that has anything to do with whether I should shouldn't have anything to do with whether I'm a woman or not. and also it's quite strange uh, I think we wanted to talk about surgery later so this might be a, a, somewhat of a good segue but you know there's quite a strange thing you know when I um got the medical letters to change my GRC so I get that from my doctor my doctor has to, to to write a sentence that's sort of explaining what the situation with my genitals are and I think as a liberal-minded person that any system that is requiring the government to have documentation asking about the nature of your genitals and what you plan to do with them, I think we might have made somewhat of a bad step there. That's not a very good precedent mm-hmm. for the type of um, society I want to live in, I would say.
0: The second part of today's podcast, we were going to talk about trans healthcare,
2: yeah. but
0: just to go back to FGEN for a moment, Steph, how, how do you see Steph's place working in conjunction with and collaborating with FGEN as we go forward are you going to be continuing to do your articles and kind of the investigations that you do and you know how is that different to you being a member of the FGEN steering group could you just talk about that a little bit yeah the
1: Steph's Place is about a magazine it's about um being perhaps more general market than FGM, albeit I think FGM will, you know, merge into There was an overlap. We're, we're huge trans ally, we're huge allies. And I love working with FGM because it's very, very professional. Uh, I can see it being a massive group coming forth, as so I've said. Uh, and I don't think too much a change to tell you the truth to the, from the current arrangement that, that we've got that, that, I mean, Steph's Place website will eventually change. We, we have got real issues as regards, we can't put video on, we can't put many images on because of the, the format that we, I went with. I when I launched Steph's Place, I never thought that we would be getting thousands and thousands of
0: of yeah i mean of it's really it's really grown over the past year it's, it's massively started grown.
1: yeah it's massively grown um i look at the stats kind of every couple of weeks and i just don't know where the people come from um we're getting certainly a lot more hits now from america various pages i mean obviously the home page tends to get hit the most still get a lot of people look at karen White's story Mm-hmm. um still get a lot of people look at my story and then i get lots of emails saying gosh your story is very similar to my story well yeah that's because we've all got the same story yeah. <laughs> yeah. <It's terrifying. laughs> yeah. um so and i kind of get emails and photographs pushed through and we get lots of lovely compliments um for me personally I actually, I want to become more of a feminist. I, I, um, I'm very involved with the Labour Party, as I've mentioned before. Plug, 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 plug. Um, I'm actually the women's officer at, at Portsmouth CLP. Um, I represent women and not particularly trans women because we're all kind of the same boat. Um, we've all got the same enemies. Uh, and Steph's place will just keep on, it appears just to keep growing. Um, I'm very privileged, as I say, of having, uh, we are, are very privileged that we've got these amazing guest writers that keeps coming in. We wanna do more things all the time. Um, and then we will compliment FGen uh, going through. Uh, FGen is in a different league to us. In regards to potential, um, we are very much about a magazine. As I mentioned, we'll carry on. FGen, I can't imagine ever doing investigative stuff. FGen is very much more about uh, represented academia, which was well needed. You know, we've got a number of gender criticals there from academia. You know, the Joe Phoenixes of this world, the Kathleen Stocks of this world. Who incidentally tweeted that I was a male the other day? Thank you, Kathleen, for you're listening. Um, I have got a picture on the website, the tweet, which she, she deleted very quickly, um, but I still managed to capture it. And we've got to fight these people, you know, and, and these people are and Sometimes I I don't think they realise who the driver of this war is. Mm which is America, Christian extremism. Um, We know about hands across the aisle. We know what the idea is of splitting the T from the LGB, um, then going after LGB, and then going after abortion rights in the UK. Um, This is what's been happening in America, especially in Texas. Um, When you look back sort of 15, 20 years ago, uh, Texan women had the same abortion or very similar abortion rights to those in the UK. They've all but disappeared now, thanks to Christian right-wing extremists. Um, who are very dangerous people, mm. um, and they think they're right, and I'm
2: afraid they're wrong. You know, handmade towel is real. Mm. That's that's the truth of it. It's interesting with trans rights as well, because there's been quite a lot of investigative journalism in the American rights, um, looking at after gay marriage um, went through for um, lots, lots of states in America, they sort of saw that the, the American conservative rights saw that as a, a huge loss and ha- was a battle that they had been fighting for decades and and, and lost. Um, and they're trying now to use trans rights as this wedge issue to, to sort of uh, basically considering us the the weakest elements as it were of the um, the most vulnerable elements of the LGBT uh, community uh, to try to fight another battle because they lost gay marriage uh, and, uh, so uh, just to add to what you're saying stuff
0: one last question I have you know on the FGen kind of collaboration topic FGen when it was set up it, it, it seems to be very heavily based on academia there's lots of professors in there Yes, I know. I know you've said in the past that you're not. You don't consider yourself to be an academic. No, I'm certainly not. Um, I come from, you know, I have a a, a big kind of uh, experience in industry and aerospace field. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, going forward, how how is that? How is FGen going to kind of accommodate yeah. those other I, areas I, rather than just I, academia? I
1: remember, I remember that I was talking with Sally. Um, I think it was in a group, and um, I just turned around and said, well, I can write a bit, and she just laughed. Um, and I think that was kind of why I'm associated, because I can write a bit. Um, so your
0: focus is, re- is really going to be around comms and media, is that, is that right?
1: Yeah, um, around that sort of thing, and knowledge. I'd like to think I've got a yeah. wide knowledge of trans things and feminists in general. That's kind of my strength. I'm kind of a jack of all trades and master of none, perhaps you could argue.
0: And with it being called Feminist Gender Equality Network, I'm also wondering, how do we include into that title? I mean, it it sounds like we've not included uh, trans men in, in any way. I'm hoping that is totally wrong. You can I think, man. I
1: think okay. Violet- no, no, it's totally wrong. Men yeah. can be feminists, I was uh, before I was um, you know, a transition, I was still a feminist. Feminist yeah. just means equality. Um, if you if you put it down to one word
2: feminist means equality between the sexes. Also, I think it's important to say that, like, depending on where a trans-masculine person might be in their transition, many feminist issues are still going to affect their lives. Like, violence against um women and girls specifically like for example of course pre-transition that can affect masculine people that's not an invalidation of anyone's identity i mean you know tafts will weaponize this sort of thing going oh you can identify well." That, well of course you actually can't it's going to be on perception and so the issues of violence against women and girls is on perception as we all know so it, 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 of course this is an, an area that affects everyone and I know, I, I don't know as many trans men as I probably should and I think I need to get better in the community but the ones that I do know most consider themselves actively feminists for some of those yeah. reasons also because yeah. they realize how important it is for, for for all of our rights.
0: Absolutely yeah so I just wanted well, to make sure that you know under that title of FGen you know, that we are including all um, gender identities. Yes,
1: yeah. we are. But, you know, at the end of the day, I was talking to a trans man literally only last week, um, and he's t- totally in stealth. Um, the advantage with, obviously, trans men is that you get remarkably good-looking men um, <laughs> whom, at the same time, have, have, uh <laughs> develop masculine voices because of testosterone yeah Um, magic (laughs) they they are just the best trans men are amazing um and i was talking to him so he he actually works in a factory and he struggles a bit with weights um because don't we all yeah we do (laughs) tell me about it i can barely do 25 kilos (laughs) it's really pathetic (laughs) Uh, and so i said to him okay so you know you've been transitioned now for some time you're in stealth uh sadly had to come out not so long ago to the wages department which really upset him uh you know within he uh and the he he said i said well what's how you you know what's the significant difference Um, you know, you look like a guy, you sound like a guy, you're being accepted as a guy. And he came out with something really, really that was quite sweet. He said the difference is with women and men is women can say sorry and men
2: can't.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought, God, I've been saying sorry all my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, um, but it, it just came down to small things, and um, but I think in regards to FGN overall, the the feminism isn't about sex or gender really. It's just about equality, and we fight for women because women are left behind because of the patriarchy and oppression. So it's a matter of balancing things up. Yeah, in so many different areas. I think it's as simple as that. I hope. I've I think
0: it. when we when when we talk to um, Sally and Natasha in one of our next podcasts, uh, uh, you know, we'll probably touch on this topic a bit more, and um, you know, around the name, establishing the name, and how the difficulties of, they went through in finalizing that. Yeah, I think I think it's important. So you know, just to kind of um, state how we got to where we are today.
1: It was a, it was a discussion um we we look at you know it's very democratic uh within the group
0: yeah
1: and you know i'm delighted to be part of it um yeah. it's you know to be in in the start with fgen um it'll be around long after i've gone uh this is going to be a massive group and it's obviously going to upset gender criticals and i uh, my only advice to gender criticals is to stop being an ass. <laughs> um, because ultimately nothing's really going to change. You're not going to stop me going in a ladies' loom. Don't matter if you come out with a
2: law, I am still going in a ladies' loo. There's nothing we can do. Like, if they if they made it illegal for us to live our lives, well, we still have to live our God's own lives. Like, what are we going to do? Like, where am I going to
0: go? Like You're not going to stop living your life, are you?
2: No, you're not. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to bloody detransition. You can't make me.
1: So, like... Yeah, exactly. I mean, I look at Violet. I see a most beautiful young woman period you know she blushes in my screen i do um and i'm sorry they're not going to be able to do a genital check going in the toilet for god's sake it's ridiculous yeah absolutely Um, and we've got a human there is a human right to be able to legally change sex that has been there since 2004
2: um and it isn't going to stop Um, And for the record as well, if anyone thinks, I I guess this is a contextualization, because we've talked a lot about the recent gender war, as Seth has been mentioning, but that 2004 um, rights that that was brought in, you know, was after years and years and years and years of work to try and get it through, and only after going to the European courts because this bloody country has been transphobic for a very long time. Like, we have been as a country dragging our feet on trans rights for decades, like this isn't a new thing and this isn't, I, I find it, it might be useful for listeners to have this context That gender criticals will often lie and say trans people have been only asking for rights in the last five years or whatever and it's it's all so fast and unreasonable and, not, and now all of a sudden we want to use the toilets, public toilets like crazy people. Um But the, none of this is true and this has been going on for decades like to get to this position Um and actually actually, as Steph rightly mentions, the only reason this kicked off is because Theresa May, um, you know, proposed to the GRA reform as, as a, a, a policy that presumably she thought wouldn't be popular. And it created this huge backlash. Um, but that's it's sort of a storm in a teacup. The bigger picture here is that we've all trans people, we trans people have always been here um, and relatively in different points of history, you know cis people have done a better job of suppressing us and maybe they're doing a worse job of it now but the point is that the the actual population isn't created by anything that's happened recently all that's happening is the social and um, political environments is changing and there's a number of people like we covered that just do not like that change
0: yeah so i mean we we probably all the three of us you know we're all trans women and we probably all have slightly different stories as to how we got to where we are today I mean if I just explain where I'm up to with with the medical side of things I was very lucky to get included into one of the pilot schemes I mean I'm in with the Indigo one in Manchester and initially I was with Sheffield GIC and I got absolutely nowhere with that I was on the waiting list for two years um, after going to see my GP initially I was lucky enough to get transferred onto the Indigo one. And the reason being is because, you know, I've not had a first appointment. These are the criteria for moving over. My GP is within the Greater Manchester area and I'm over 80. So, you know, those those are the criteria. I think all all these new pilot schemes, I believe there's four or five of them now, they all took on 500 um, clients, patients each. And I think the primary reason for that was to reduce the, the queues at the normal GICs. Now, I don't really want to get into the politics of what Theresa, uh, sorry, what um, Liz Truss mm. kind of claimed this is something that the Conservative Party did. I don't believe it was. I think it's something that NHS England themselves did. Um, but you know, I've, I've used I've used Jeep GP, my GP, I've, and I didn't get to the official GICS, but I did get into the Indigo one. And once in that, I got through, you know, all four um, assessments very quickly I'm, I'm now at the point where I'm awaiting um surgery I've had my initial assessment and I need to lose some weight before surgery for safety reasons and I'm fine with that it's all you know it's all going to be funded that's fine I think your situation uh, Violet is a little different uh, maybe you just uh, explain what your situation is
2: yeah no absolutely so um yes so I wasn't quite as lucky to get onto one of the pilot schemes in the in London which is where I live there is a pilot scheme TransPlus, um which is wonderful and I actually do have multiple friends that were lucky enough to get onto that scheme um and they've had a similar experience where the process has been so much faster than the other systems and the staff have been very very kind and you know a, a significant issue um with the other GICs uh gender identity clinic is, is what we're, we're talking to when we say GIC, um, which is where trans people in the NHS go through to get trans healthcare in the sort of traditional model. Um, And yeah, in these pilot schemes that have been introduced as an alternative um, routes, they've been much better with a key issue that the GICs have always had, which is being awful with misgendering, for example, which in my opinion is, is, is absolutely un um, you know, it's, it's outrageous. Um, I had this experience. So my story is that I registered with the Tavistock clinic in London. because so that's where I'm at. And that's the only option I've had. I did that, uh, back in 2019. So it's been, um, coming up to two years on the waiting list now. Oh, was that right? Or was that three years? Um, uh, time is getting away from me, but, um, and I have no idea when that waiting list all ends. But I had this interesting experience where I was at a certain point in my transition and the only organization that I interacted with anywhere that was misgendering me and dead naming me was the GIC. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, but, but, but they were letters to my old name because they were the only people that were incompetent enough to not have picked up the message or moved forward at all. And this is because they're completely inappropriate for the system, the waiting list is outrageous. And I, I have absolutely no idea if they'll ever see me. So, so
0: have, uh, you, have you not had any appointments with them yet?
2: I haven't had a single appointment with them at all. No, um, I've never talked to, to anyone there. And, and interestingly, with the standard GICs, you know, I've got friends that have gone through and they've had appointments. And what happens is you, you go to the clinic and you have an appointment and all you do is give them your information, like your, um, I don't know exactly what they ask you, but you fill out a form. And then they're like okay we'll see you in six months and then they'll do the initial <laughs> um appointments to actually talk to you about your gender in six months later um after you've already almost certainly waited multiple years so anyway so this is the situation there so my choice to transition as you could probably tell i have actually been transitioning and um was to go with private healthcare so you know i used my savings to um pay for Um, hormones uh, so to get the diagnosis with a private psychiatrist and then go through a private uh, gender clinic Um, and that started me off on hormones and I was lucky enough to be able to um, get uh, an NHS prescription so that means I don't have to buy the hormones um, myself which would have been a lot more expensive.
0: So So your GP has been supportive in that respect?
2: Well, actually, not really. I did have to change GP. <laughs> um, Sorry, my so we,
0: first, uh, yeah, you've changed GPs and found one that is.
2: I have. I've managed to find GPs wonderful. Yeah. Um, but yes, that's a normal thing for trans people as well. Yeah. If, if yeah. this don't realize is that Unfortunately, as Steph um, kind of alluded to, the training for GPs is not really there. And that's one of the primary reasons that they, uh, that general practitioners aren't dealing with these day-to-day Um, trans healthcare issues because they're just not trained to do it and this is an unacceptable position really. It should be, uh, my opinion is it should be dealt with very similarly to contraceptives for example where the general practitioner can um, prescribe these hormonal treatments and monitor the patients um, but but it doesn't have to be this specialist thing. So anyway, so I went through the private um, routes for that and also having to pay privately for um, fertility um, preservation as well because there wasn't any, any provision available until I'd gone to a GIC and then even then I'm not sure if they would have done it um, so I did all of this uh, at personal expense um, and and yeah I'm going to have to um go private for my um uh, bottom surgery is is what is what trans people tend to call um a genital surgery <laughs> um, yeah. and so uh yeah so it it that's but, so- I mean,
0: just just for the you know the information for anybody listening, um, the the cost for this surgery is anywhere between you know ten to thirty thousand pounds, depending on where you go.
2: Yeah,
0: and you know it really makes me wonder how do people afford to fund it themselves? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm not in a position to be able to fund those kind of figures. You know, I, I'm I'm lucky. I've Got to where I have via Indigo and NHS. Yeah. Um, so, how are you going to fund yours? Have you, have you kind of thought about what you're going to do?
2: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I can't afford that at all. Either. <laughs> um, and actually, I, I'm in the unfortunate situation where, um, as I said, I funded the rest, which costs has already cost me several thousand pounds. Um, yeah. Um, I was able to afford, because I, I had savings, unfortunately. I was hoping they would go to other things, but they went to that. Um, but um, yeah, I'm in the situation now that I was made redundant as part of the pandemic as well. And so that's <laughs> limited my financial options even more. Um, and so uh, I'm currently uh, crowdfunding to, to support okay. my um, surgery. Um, and I've, you know, I did lots and lots of research. This is the thing that trans people end up doing is that because the healthcare support is not very good, um, often we have to be our own sort of um, advocates and, and work out how to look after ourselves. Um, but yeah, so I've managed to find a surgery option that's on the lower ends of the costs, which is amazing, but also is a world-class clinic um, which is the Supon Clinic in um, Thailand.
0: Um, yes. You're having to travel overseas to
2: yes. do this. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, and this is actually, I mean, I I, I think that the the, the provision of, of surgery is actually hugely insufficient in this country in the first place. One of the issues they have is the bottleneck of how many surgeons we have in the UK. And um, one of the reasons I'm going to Thailand in the first place is because there they have specialist um surgeons that have developed techniques that we just have not invested into in this country and again i think that's a systematic issue where an institutional issue where the nhs is simply not investing in this um in the way that i think would be appropriate um but yeah so um yeah, so my surgery is um, going to end up costing about thirteen thousand pounds all told. Um, I've already um, paid a twenty percent deposit on that, um, and and yeah, I'm crowdfunding for the remaining eighty percent of the of the surgery fee.
0: So, which um, I mean, feel free to you know tell us which site it's on. If anybody wants to contribute, I'm sure they would.
2: Yeah, if anyone does want to, it would be a really amazing. I'm um, I've put my crowdfunds on my Twitter. So if anyone wants to find me, you know, you can search my name, um, Violet Lundsten and Twitter, I'll probably come up. My username on Twitter, if you want to find me directly, there, is V underscore Lundsten. And that's spelled L-U-N-D-S-T-E-N. So it's it's a strange spelling, but um, you you can find me there on my Twitter accounts. I've pinned the um, link to my GoFundMe. campaign there um and yes if you can if you can afford anything it would, it would really well it's, it's life-changing I, it I,
0: is I, absolutely
2: there's nothing else to, to describe it really um, and if you don't have the money as well but you would love to help me you'd be willing to help me um any like likes and retweets if you can see that um would be are absolutely amazing, it's so maybe other people
0: that you know might be able to support as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I will definitely reshare those, um, your Twitter Im- info, you know, as wide as as wide as I can. Um, I think it's important to, to also say that, you know, I know a lot of trans people who are doing this uh, crowdfunding, you yeah. know, they're trying to do it themselves, but they always kind of feel really kind of um, embarrassed to do it, and, you know, it's a very difficult decision to Put, you, put yourself out there in that position where you're basically, you know, asking other people to help. I don't, I don't think, you know, people should feel bad about that, you know, due to the high, high cost of it. Um, you know, and if there are people out there who are, you know, in, in a fortunate position who can, who can afford to contribute. Yeah. I mean, please, please do. Whenever you see these kind of um, please for help, I think it's very important.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a humanitarian issue, isn't it? Yeah. At the end of the day, this, this is about people's lives. Um, we know that around a third of trans people commit suicide, um, sadly. We know the rate in France is seven times higher than a cis population. We know in America it's up to 10. Um we know the gender criticals here like to turn around and say no 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 that's not right but I'm sorry I know trans people that's committed suicide and I've got lots of friends who also know I've got friends that's committed suicide. And
2: it's as well to say sorry to interrupt stuff but just to say as well I think it's horrible when when people would use this to say well not that many people have committed suicide and it's an incredibly callous thing to say. I know in, in, in my friends base, like my friends circle, I should say within the trans population, you know, suicidal ideation and dealing with these feelings and having to deal with that as your day to day life, you know, feeling the dysphoria, you know, and um, struggling with that, that's a real, like life experience that there is something we can do about that, you know, like, just to say oh you know it doesn't matter if you if you don't actually kill yourself well you're not suffering And when what sort of what sort of rhetoric is this? Yeah it's it's, it's just wrong. Um, and all this could be changed
1: just by GPS I mean I think in Wales they've got this different system to in England where they've got these specialist GPS that's been trained up relatively quickly. In England we just haven't done that very sadly, and the amount of risk that GPs actually have by issuing out hormones, even if they're untrained, is actually relatively low. Um, Ultimately, what you're checking is kidney function, liver function um, for a trans woman, possibly PSA. Uh, But there's bone density. But there's not an awful... This is not rocket science. You know, women go to the gp and they get hrt just by turning around and saying well i i need estrogen yeah it's not the same for for trans women and so i think so what, we,
0: what we what we really need is for, is for trans healthcare to be set in the primary healthcare setting i.e your gp mm-hmm. i think that's part of what indigo are trying to do or it's yeah. part of their remit but you know it needs to be it needs to be much more widespread it shouldn't Absolutely. be just in in four or five pilot schemes. You know, it needs to be yeah. across the across the whole Absolutely. UK. Absolutely.
1: I mean, you you look at the waiting list currently in uh, the Lowell's down in Exeter. You're now looking at five over five years.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean that pl- that plays into what we were discussing earlier around, you know, whether you whether you wait for NHS yeah. to get get you through the whole system, yeah. and it, you know, it could be it could be several years, yeah. you know, seven or eight years before you got to the stage of absolutely. surgery on the NHS.
1: I think I think that's an underestimation.
0: Yeah, uh, it probably is. I and mean, yeah. you compare that to, you know, you can, have, you can have surgery if you pay for it privately, mm. you know, many, many years before then. Yeah, so there's a huge I mean, discrepancy there.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we, we've got to bear in mind that more and more trans people are coming out because it's socially accepted to be trans um society generally accept trans people without problem the media might not the gender crits are and the and the you know the gender crit allies in parliament might not um, but society are okay with trans people just as they are with gay people just as they are with black people uh with tall people and ginger people you know society understands that we're in a, a very diverse world really it is it's, it's, it's it's very sad that we find ourselves in, in this position that we've we've got to fight for healthcare. Um, I mean, I personally had to go private all the way through, and even private, you know, it took me the best part of ten years to get all the way through.
0: And, and have think, you have you also used the GIC I, system or tried to?
1: No, I I I I transitioned privately. Um, the, the in actual fact, the most expensive part from. For me was electrolysis mm. um, because i had over 300 hours of electrolysis yeah and
0: we're talking 75 to 85 i was, I was paying
1: 50 pounds an hour
0: right
1: um and then i had laser treatment on top of that um, it was just my hair color was just wrong mm. it wouldn't accept to a laser but equally you mm. can cover with makeup so i was years and years in electrolysis sometimes doing Double shifts, and when you're having that needle stuck in your lip, it hurts. Big time. Yeah. Um, and uh, so electrolysis, and, and my electrolysis lady, you know, technician, she was amazing, and she she mainly looked after trans people. She was incredible, um, and she was fifty pounds an hour, and that's actually cheap. Yeah,
0: it is. It is cheap. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, and I think my total transitions are over thirty thousand. I had surgery in this cat in the UK on the second of July, 2019. Uh, It was definitely the best day of my life, Mm. no question, no question. Um, And did I care a bit? A bit of blood on the floor? No, not at all. You know, so it was a bit of a shock when you go to the view for the first time and you see, you know, a bit of a mess. But hey, um, it's. It's it's totally life changing. I think even just having hormones is a huge step. Mm. Um, And that's so easily done by GP um, if they took the time. And I know they're overstretched. Uh, I know it's, you know, they they need to get potentially a couple of days training, I understand, from the Welsh model. Uh, But they can do so much there's going to be more and more trans people we can't have cues that's potentially officially five years it probably in reality is 10 or 15 years it's yeah so- I
0: think that I think that you know the GICs the traditional GICs are completely kind of out of date now yeah absolutely that model does not work
2: no it don't um, and I think it's, it's important here to contextualize. There's a very good reason that the GICs, uh, the, the, the older GICs are, are inappropriate, is because they were explicitly, originally, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, when they were sort of starting to establish, intended to slow trans people down. I mean, they wanted... At first, they wanted to stop as many people transitioning as possible, and they only wanted to let people transition if they thought that they would they would pass. They would blend into society very well. And so it was explicitly started as a filtration process to try to put blockades in the way of trans people. Now, things changed over the decades, and I'm not saying that the current GICs run in such a manner but their structure of their appointments and how far apart they set their appointments is set to slow trans people down. This initial appointment where I was mentioning that you just go in to fill out a form and then you come back six months later to actually have a real first appointment. That's simply to slow people down. There's no rational reason to do the administration of the GICs in such a way, other than under the sort of excuse or the reasoning one might say more charitably uh of just slowing people down giving them thinking time for example now this is
0: that, that also kind of plays into this um real life rule that they're trying to apply
2: yeah which again is just to slow you down it's it's to say okay well you know if you do this then after this amount of time we might give you hormones and then if you've been on hormones for this long it's it's almost like you're getting healthcare for good behavior which again is yeah. It's not an appropriate system. Um, and the difference with the pilot scheme like Indigo that you've mentioned is that they're just simply not doing this. What they are doing is informing trans people as to what their options are, what the risks and the realities of these treatments are, such as hormone treatments, such as hormone blocking treatments, such as surgical treatments. And then they're getting on with the process of actually administering this healthcare. And lo and behold, this system doesn't need to be so slow and it doesn't need to be so complicated. Again, to Steph's um, points is that once general practitioners have the training, they can deal with so much of the day-to-day um, you know, healthcare that, that a trans person would need. And because of course, like apart from the fact that we're, we're taking hormones typically, um, We don't have different needs from cis people typically so it it makes sense because we have this issue and before i stop talking i'll just say one final thing about my experience when i had to change gp the reason i had to change gp was not because as someone might imagine that they were dreadfully transphobic it was because they were well-meaning but untrained ignorance in the specifics of trans healthcare and the specifics of trans people They were, in my opinion, trying to do their best, but they were very concerned because they didn't feel that they had the support that they needed from the NHS to be able to administer this healthcare and feel that they were safe doing so. And frankly, my view of it was that they were worried that they would be punished if something went wrong and under this concern, and which I, I don't mean as a in, a, in, a small concern, because of course that could be their career, but they need the support to be able to be secured to, to do this and realize what they need to do. Um, and because they didn't have that support, they simply refused to help me. And they forced me to go to a GP that would help me, which is just not an appropriate system. Yeah, absolutely. It's all very
1: sad, but we should, I mean, I think, plus for trans people and you know for all of us that has got gender identity issues if you want to use that word is that okay we've got we are not going to crack the health issue overnight but as a as a group of people of a community uh fgen's given us a huge amount of hope Mm -hmm. um and were kind of trailblazing to some extent. I mean, there's been trailblazers every decade. You know, we can look back to April Ashley, bless her, who obviously recently passed. That was, you know, one of the initial trailblazers, and Christine Burns, and, and wonderful people like that. Um, but all the time, more and more people were coming, uh, especially young people. When you look at the the stats, um, the amount of Trans non-binary that's in their twenties is is almost forty four percent of the total community. Mm. Um, there's a lot more people to come out. There's a lot more kids to come out, especially non-binary. Um, and I think that whatever the gender criticals do politically, I'm sorry, there is this tsunami of trans people and non-binary people that they are not going to stop yeah yeah. Uh, and this is why they really need to give up this stupid war over uh self-id it's it's not going to change anything everyone's just you know their safety's Women's safety, is it going to be exactly the same, we're just going to change birth certificates and we could get on with proper feminism that, well, I say proper feminism, I'm doing proper feminism already, but I can then concentrate on looking after women and, and doing my best for women, for women that's in prison, that we, that shouldn't be in prison at all, prison should be there for women, we can concentrate on issues like that. We can start looking at the pay gap. We can get more women into government. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we can highlight so much more. And the resources that's being left lost in the gender war is utterly mm-hmm. pathetic. And when I see some of the tweets, that, like Kathleen Stocks coming out with a B-penis, oh, for goodness sake, <laughs> Kathleen, this <laughs> is stupid from an <laughs> academic yeah. That's yeah. coming out from a professor. Uh, I'm sorry, I just do not agree with it. We should be talking about women. Um, we should be talking about society and everything that's wrong in society. And my God, there's an awful lot of rot that's wrong in this society at the moment, that's um, been driven by capitalism in particular. Uh, and I just wish that people, you know, could just come together. Try and understand each other's points of view, which I try and do with gender criticals. Um, Yes, I can understand that they're concerned about sex offenders. I'm concerned about sex offenders. Um, I've been attacked. And when it comes to prisons, then, okay, why don't we have trans people, for example, on the uh, local and complex boards? Because we can tell trans people well, yeah, that's fair. This is the issue. So we've currently got cis people turning around and looking at a potential sex offender or a potential bona fide, trans woman, um, and saying which estate he, she should be going into, or they. Um, we're actually seeing still 11 trans women uh, sexually assaulted every
2: 33 days in the male estate don't get any that's the thing that's important uh, here as well. So the vast, vast majority of trans women are in the male estate. Yes, they are. The vast and, vast, and they're being sexually abused.
1: Yeah. And no
2: one cares,
1: or well, the gender criticals don't care because they're not cis women. Yeah. And I'm sorry, these are human beings, you know, the the human beings like Violet myself and Victor Vicky, um that's been caught up for whatever, you know, and perhaps they are criminals and perhaps they deserve to be in prison. But they don't deserve to be sexually abused. Um, and if that was being shouted about much more, we would we would be making sort of progress. Uh, and unfortunately, at the moment, those sort of odds stacked against us because of media and everything. And this is something so, that we can do in FGEN, is to be able to shout out about this much more. Um, so, you know,
0: if you, if you just kind of imagine all the energy and money and time that's wasted on... The so-called you know gender critical wars gender wars um if that same energy was to put in be put into positive things just imagine absolutely. what we could do you know
1: absolutely you know and julia serrano's made this point point in whipping girl um finn mckay i recently read a book that come out from finn mckay it's called female masculinities in the gender war mm. um, now I found a couple of those chapters quite difficult because Finn's uh, lesbian, uh trans back lesbian. Um, and forgive me, Finn, if you're listening and I've explained that role, I apologize. Mm-hmm. Um but the what Finn says in the book um, is that both sides should look at it from the other point of view. <clears throat> and I try to look at it from a gender critical point of view. And, and one of those things is, I don't want sex offenders in prisons. I don't want to see female sport ruined. I want to see female sport exactly as it is now. Um, but I also want to see trans And at this moment in time in the UK, they import problems in regards to sport. Uh, it used to be Hannah Mountsey. Um, then we got Lowell Hubbard. So Hannah Mounts is from Australia. And then uh, we've got Laurel Hubbard from New Zealand. Now they're on Mia Thomas from the States, who's mm. going backwards. And she will constantly go backwards as her uh, testosterone levels get lower and lower. And, yeah. and you know, I've noticed myself over 10 years how much weaker and slower you get. Um, and it's quite considerable. Yeah. Um, we've got Piers Morgan out there constantly going on about women's sport. None of us want women's sport ruined. This don't. This is not going to happen. But they're importing problems. And yet, if you turn around and say, look how many trans women are getting killed in America. well, oh, they don't want to listen about that one, do they? Oh, well, no trans women's been killed in the UK for donkey's years, well, actually it's a couple of years. Um, but they, they want to import the, the issue of trans people in sport but they've got to import the story because there ain't no trans athlete elite trans athlete in the UK so the sport issue is kind of a non-issue in the UK in reality that's the truth of it Um, prisons well they're pretty much sorted the only thing I would say is that trans women in the male estate we need to look at that issue of why they're being sexually assaulted we do need to get trans people on local and complex boards so that we can make decisions where alleged or bona fide trans people can go. And I've done a recent investigation into hospitals um, because the current, or the new attack that's gonna come in the next couple of weeks um, from the House of Lords, um, Baroness Nicholson and her cohort, uh, is gonna be trans women in hospitals so just before Christmas, I put out uh, some freedom of information requests to 10 different hospital boards, foundation trusts, uh, to see if there's problems with complaints in hospitals over a year period. So I gave them, a, asked for the stats for a year on how many complaints have you had from uh, natal women that trans women were on the ward, and not one hospital foundation trust that's replied has not had one complaint. Mm. And yet we've got the House of Lords going to be debating this very issue in a matter of a few weeks, and the gender crits will come up with an AstroTurf campaign to keep males in inverted commas um, in the into men's wards and vice versa. They want trans men on the
0: women's wards.
1: For a problem that don't exist. They feel feel
0: very much like manufactured issues, These don't they?
1: Oh, absolutely
2: manufactured. Totally, totally manufactured. I think the thing that's strange about this whole thing is that it seems like so much of this rhetorical energy from the sort of anti-trans position is is this imagining that you can just wish trans people away, wish non-binary people to not exist anymore. Uh, If you only marginalised us enough, then we would go away. And this is the problem. It's like, it doesn't even necessarily be, it isn't even necessary for there to be no issues. It's necessary for us to actually look at what we can do in the actual world, the circumstances that we live to, to, to deal with this, you know, if 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 this government does actually enact any of these um, proposed bans that they're, they're banding about for trans women to be excluded from various things, well, we're going to still exist, and this issue isn't going to go anywhere. I think this is the thing. It's like so much of this seems to be around linguistics. It's like a lot of the time, people will say they're not. Um, they don't. You know, they don't think that non-binary people are real. For example. But the thing is, is that what's the reality of a label to describe someone? You know, it's a communication device. If the person themselves understands themselves better by labeling themselves inside of the non-binary, um, you know, umbrella and that I can understand them better by them expressing that they are neither male nor female, or perhaps they consider themselves some com- combination of both, you know, whatever their individual experience might be. If that communicates the, 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 the identity of that person better than just saying that they are a man or a woman or what have you, then that is the truth of the matter. What we're looking at are diverse individuals that we want to be able to understand and respect Respect them, they respect us. That's the goal of being human, you know? And this is to the end of actually including everyone.
1: Yeah, you've come up with a really good point there, Violet, because I was talking to Michael Walker at Navarra back in last August, Mm. and he said, if someone says they're trans, they're trans. If someone says they're gay, they're gay, and I believe them. Yeah. He said, but if a gay person turned around and said, I'm gay and then suddenly, you know, there's a gay guy and suddenly I had a female partner. Well, obviously that first <laughs> name then gay. <laughs> um, and if, if the same with us. If, if, if we suddenly turned around tomorrow and said, oh, we're going to be cis, which I'm sure none of this is going to happen, you know, because <laughs> only around 2% of trans people actually detransition even though that the gender crits are going to be coming up with this, oh, we're going to parade people and say they'd be transitioned. It's very few. It, you know, you're looking at around 2%. Oh, it's all such a mess. Yeah.
0: It's yeah. um, <laughs> such a big, you know, it's such a big topic. We've, we've discussed a lot of kind of, we've touched on a lot of issues today. Um, we've gone over our allotted hour. So I think, I think we should probably end it there um so thanks thanks so much for coming on today Steph and talking to us both any any final words from you Violet
2: um no I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation though thank you so much for coming on Steph and thank you for being here as well Vicky it's it's been lovely
0: thank you everybody thanks to our listeners